everybody welcome to the purple friday podcast show joined of course by travis and trey um about to get to today so we won't hesitate waste any time first we're going to start off with it's sort of it's football related but at the same time not football related this week some news came out about former raven michael ward everybody knows his story the blind side it was into the book that got turned into a movie uh, I think Sandra Bullock won a best supported best actress or something for the, I think for that film. Um, so I mean, of course, you know, it was a big, huge story, big, you know, heartwarming story, or so we thought. Apparently, news has come out now recently about Michael Orr uh, saying that the uh, conservatorship or the adoption or um, was not what it what it what what it was played out to be in the movie. Um, uh, Michael Orr basically said that, you know, he, at the time when he was a teenager, signed some documents saying that, you know, he would sign over some of his, you know, um, rights or whatever to the Tui family so that they could make decisions for him. But at the same time, it sounds like they used, basically, they used him to make more money, it sounds like. Uh, he made a deal with the studio uh, for the rights to the movie. But behind the scenes, the Tui family allegedly used that as well to make some money off the film, some revenue off the film after it was released. Apparently, Michael Orr didn't receive any of that money. Now, he also says that the Tui family uh, did try to send him some checks or try to send him some money from the film. But he says that wasn't what they agreed on or what the what he thought the proper amount uh, was supposed to be. Um, now, so for some people saying that Michael Orr may be broke, this is why he's coming back now after years later and saying this and that, and you know, uh, he, maybe he needs the money. They said his net worth is like sixteen million dollars. Like he's he's good. He's he's fine. He never came across as the guy that you know he's out there spending lavishly. Um, but they said oh, I, I was inter- interesting before the show. I was watching Dan Levitard's show, and Donnie Fox was on there, kind of like playing a uh, host. I think Levitard was out. And he said he was like, you know, Foxworth played with Michael when he got when he got drafted when he got drafted to the Ravens. And he asked Mike about it. And he was like, man, he's like, have, he asked him, have you seen the movie? He was like, hell no, I haven't seen it. He's like, they all I heard was they made made him come off at least I think I've seen, we've all seen it. all watched it. Um, it came off as Michael Orr was dumb. He came off as um, he didn't even know how to make his own bed. He didn't know what one plus one was they showed scenes of sandra or sandra books you know playing to the tui mom t- teaching him how to block on the left side on the, on the blind side and teach him all this stuff and then the, the their son teaching him a different formation and stuff and in reality michael orr was already a division one prospect in high school like he knew how to play football but he made it seem like here's this white family saving this poor black kid from his situation and we're gonna this the white savior thing. That, that's what it came off as. We've yeah. we've seen it numerous times in many movies, TV shows. Um, and the way Michael Orr is telling it, it seems like that was the mindset where they they saw Michael Orr was a talented black kid who was most likely gonna he's definitely gonna go to Division One school. They convinced him to go to Ole Miss, where shockingly both the Tuies went to Ole Miss. You know. Um, I'm pretty sure, you know, they got some kickbacks and stuff like getting Michael Orr to go play at Ole Miss. Um, so it just, it's coming off as, you know, look, Michael Orr went to the NFL. He got he got paid. He got his money. 
they made they have also been making money on the side since then the twoies have been become speakers they become um influencers they've been doing all the using all this clout they've been getting from the movie and the book to continue to make money off of basically michael Orr's situation and michael Orr, i think is just i think i think what is coming out as um he's kind of sick of it at this point and it sounds like you know Tui family says he's attacking us how dare he attack us we did so much for him blah 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 this other stuff but what michael Orr is saying he's on a numerous occasions have told the Tui family um hey look if you're gonna make make money off my name fine but make sure this is my story it's, it's, this is about me you know let's let's be real like the reason it wasn't the because you guys are just good christians and saved me from my situation is because you saw an opportunity that i was going to go d1 and look and you know the end of, end of pro sports loves a good story right they love a good comeback story kid coming up from you know gets homeless at one point you know and then gets makes it to the college football and goes to the nfl plays for the baltimore ravens and the two the Tui family and or all there holding his jersey up on draft night it's a great story but now it's coming out that maybe not so much so what do you guys after hearing all this stuff, you know, what did you guys take from all this? Yeah, it's um, it's it's an unfortunate situation if if these allegations are true. I mean, I I honestly don't see why they wouldn't be. Um, I'm surprised I actually didn't see this sooner. I mean, this movie came out back in 2008, 2009. I can't remember exactly when, but it was around that time. It was a lot of years ago, and um, he always has been public about not caring much for the movie so i mean i always thought that was kind of a red flag because i mean we've all like you said we all watched the movie and it was a nice you know heartwarming touching type of feel to it um very just you know perfect story per you know rough 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 kid coming up he was homeless he was this he was that like they painted the perfect picture and then it all came together at the end with the happy ending so I mean, you know, a whole bunch of stuff was coming out right at that time. Like, remember the Titans and all kinds of movies like that. So, we, you know, we were enjoying it, but it was also more enjoyable because we thought it was true, or we at least thought most of it was true. But these allegations definitely don't surprise me when you dig down into the actual story of, you know, how they came about and how he was introduced to the family and how, you know, when he was damn near almost 18 when, you know, they even came in contact so like that kind of makes you like squinch your eyes like wow that's like really good timing for you to you know finally find this family to adopt and foster you when you know when you're about to go to college and, and start actually capitalizing on your likeness so yeah i'm absolutely not surprised but it is just kind of um just crazy how it turned out in my, in my opinion, I feel like he was probably taking the high road for a lot of this time and maybe giving them the opportunity to make things right, and they probably never did. Um, that's probably my um, prediction of what actually happened. But you damn right I'm going to come back for what's mine. I mean, Kobe said it best. You weren't with me when you were shoot, when I was shooting in the gym. Like, I mean, they, they, they claim they were, but if you were just there just, you know, for opportunistic um reasons then you know that that's really really foul and even after the fact when i'm no longer really a part of y'all lives anymore and you're still capitalizing on my likeness uh even after that fact like that that makes it even kind of worse because it's like i'm not even in your care anymore and you're still somehow 
getting all these benefits, all this money, and I'm at home with my family and we're not eating at all based on all of my hard work. Not, on, not only all of my hard work, but my story that sold however, however many millions in a box office uh, when the movie came out. So yeah, I, I don't I don't blame him for coming out with you know I'm I'm sure there's gonna be more to be revealed about this story, but I don't think it's gonna be anything, um, to to make it seem like this isn't true. If anything, I think it's gonna be some more details. It's gonna sound even worse than what we've heard already. So, um, I just think it's a messed up situation altogether, and I hope that man gets his money. Yeah, um, <clears throat> America loves a white savior, and even more so Hollywood loves a white savior when you think about all the movies that got made like Harbaugh um mm-hmm. what was it uh Glory which that was loosely based on a true story like Hollywood loves a white savior and that, that can be one of the biggest scams because we see it all the time like you see these white people adopting kids from Nigeria or they want to go into urban communities um to do good and you know end up turns into some type of benefit for them so i totally believe this um it's just sad because i mean they the parents not his parents but the parents of the family and the two kids all ate off of this movie about him and he got nothing and they they were a part of the contract in which he signed over his rights for nothing like their lawyer like brokered that deal that's that's insane you know and i'm pretty sure he was just kind of like in this whole grateful to be a part of a family wanting to to feel a part of something based on whatever his upbringing was i don't even know what the truth is at this point but like that is like that's insane and you know he probably just saw the movie for the first time based upon like what you said that uh, Foxworth said he probably recently saw the movie and then saw that like something wasn't right with all this paperwork and how everybody was making all this money off of him because that family had money but they probably got big money now since this film came out so they they monetized him and he's out here you know he didn't risk his body his career is over he's trying to figure out what's next and he sees all these people who have capitalized off of who he is so it's it's totally sad but i like like trey said i want to see what comes up next because i mean the details so far are insane and they didn't deny that they signed him to a conservatorship yeah. Right? Yeah. like they were saying adoption for so long but they're not denying what he says but they're saying that he's trying to he tried to get them for 15 million before he went public with this and i'm like you damn right he went for 15 million he got nothing off the movie y'all made a bag in advance and 2.5 percent Mm-hmm. off of the uh, net profits which i think was 300 million 300 million yeah so yeah. that's probably it's probably another 7 million right there so yeah, but, yeah. i mean that 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 sounds like a lot what happens in in you know the rap industry in general you know yeah. so about the 80s and 90s how many deals like that where guys were men and women black men and women and artists who were selling millions and millions of copies of cds were only getting like less than 10 percent like less than a dime per album of sales but yet the record label was making them all the money off of them they weren't really even doing any of the work it was them making tracks and then the, so we've seen this story of many across many industries just in i mean college football i mean even before before last year for the nil's the nil deals 
how many how many stadiums have we seen cost now over a billion dollars now in college football making um these a hundred thousand like a hundred thousand seats like these some of these stadiums were before re, like before recently were bigger than some nfl stadiums like it was the money coming in and yet the the guys out there actually putting the product on the field were getting nothing you know i mean in some cases some of these some of these guys said, "Yeah, you know, even if our coach gave us a twenty dollars to go to a take a girl for for a movie, that would violate NCAA rules. They couldn't take twenty dollars, but yet the coach, the chancellor, president of the school, boosters, all of them get money from wherever they want to. So, look, I, I would, you know, you you hear stories like this. I, look, I, I, I would say they're pretty. I'm pretty sure there are decent ones out there where people are generally, genuinely care people who've hit hard times and." open up their homes and their resources to them to um you know get where they need to go but th- like you said you know this it's kind of odd the timing considering that he shows up they show up when he's 18 and he's already getting offers from d1 schools you know he's already getting offers from d1 schools to go play left tackle and i mean at a premium position in, in the nfl especially they find a good left tackle is very hard so he was already he was gonna go it wasn't Ole Miss it was going to be somewhere in Arkansas, Texas, Alabama, Ohio State. It was going to be somewhere, you know. So it's just, I don't know. It's just coming off in, in definitely like they, they they just kind of used him and hope that, look, I, because of this, because of his situation, I know there's paperwork out there. I know for sure. If there's a conservatorship and that was real, there's probably paperwork in the state of Mississippi with their signatures on it. And the deals that they were cutting that he was forced to sign, you know, sign away his rights to this, sign away his rights to that, and they could make money off of it. So there's documentation, I'm pretty sure. You know, yeah. so if this were to, if this were to go to court and you know, discovery and all that stuff, and they have to, you know, bring all that documents for it could get it could get real interesting. <laughs> that's, that's the disgusting part about the allegations is based on what he's saying, he thought he was signing adoption papers. Yeah, yeah. So like you telling he me, thought he was becoming a family, like taking the last name of the family, and right. He thought he was becoming an official member of the family, and then yeah. instead, they signing him, signing his rights away. He, he that's worth. He, he signed worse than a three sixty deal. Than what we know yeah. of a three sixty yeah. deal, like that, that's actually worse. Yeah, Bro, this is like a like a uh, this is like a blue collar like foster family hustle. You know what I mean? Like you know how some people they they do they open their homes to foster children so they can collect them checks. This is like a blue collar version of that. Like they just went in and was like, all right, we're gonna sign him to a conservatorship. He has all this value, and then we're going we're going to sell the rights to a movie. We're gonna get books. Like they really they really did it. Like you said, that's worse than a three sixty man. They got TLC. Yeah, bad. Hey, what's up, Corey? How you doing, man? What's Corey? up, Corey? Uh, Roland's got a comment too. Uh, that fan was about that money. They knew well, he was up that top player in, in that state. Yeah, yep. I mean, he was already he was on the list and stuff. Like it wasn't like this kid. The way the movie portrayed Michael Orr is that he was just some kid that didn't know his own strength, you know. And they put him in his football program, and he just got noticed by these Division One schools. All of a sudden, like he came out of nowhere. Like he was working at working at a McDonald's or a janitor or something like those stories, like those movies, right? They just find that kid and like, oh, he just jumps off the screen. He's just like, no, he was already playing football. He was already playing football, and he just happened like he was able to get, I think, uh, uh able to go to this uh, Catholic or a Christian school that you know that recruited him pretty much, and he got to play there. And they're like, oh, the same school that your kids already go to. 
what you know it's not like you went out and found this him found him somewhere that's the other thing they made it i think there was uh one scene in the movie where sandra bullock's character the mom is driving like down i think the neighborhood and sees him in a car or something or sees him outside says, what are you doing outside and he michael orbe said that's that's not what happened that's not all what happened sure. <laughs> that's not what happened so Disgusting. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure more will come out um, about this, so we'll we'll, we'll see what, what else comes out. You know, yeah. Uh, Roland just said the same thing. Yeah. They put like he was slow. Yeah, they did. They made him like he was stupid. He was like he's like oh, no big big tell- dumb black guy. Big dumb black guy, and that's what it came off as. But apparently, like you said Travis, this director has a history of making movies like this. So you know. All right. Uh, well, before we get into uh, NFL news, you know, you know, somber news and this fact that, you know, Alex Collins passed away, uh, found out that it was a, you know, just an accident. It was a, it was an accident. You know, he was 1030 at night. He was in, uh, in a lane and then a um, truck, a lady in a truck was making a turn. But I think he was coming in and basically just, you know, hit the car and um, passed away at 28 years old. Um yeah, it's just sad because you know he played. He, in fact, one year he was he was here. He was he was balling. He was doing Irish jig and stuff in the end zone, and uh, he was a fan favorite while he was here. You know, he was a big fan favorite while he was here. So it's just it's always sad to see me see athletes die so young. You know. Yeah. Um, also, that uh, I don't know if you guys heard this. Uh, the high school basketball player that passed away um, in. Um, I want to make sure I get his name. Yeah. Um, At practice, right? Yeah, uh, Caleb White, Alabama, a high school star. He was like a five-star recruit and everything. Um, passed away, had a heart attack. So it's uh, it's becoming more prevalent, I think, in basketball. You're starting to see a lot of guys have heart issues. We all saw, you know, Bronny have heart issues, you know, when he was at USC practice. So um, I-, I talked about this with my, my neighbor, you know, and, um, you know, Youth athletics now has become a twenty like twenty four seven three sixty five thing now. Especially if your kid is in travel leagues, like they're playing all year round. They're not playing in Maryland. They're playing in Florida. They're playing in California. Like whatever, wherever it gets cold, they go play somewhere else. They go, they go play for a few months. And um, at the end of the day, I don't care how if their kid is eight or if you're eighty, you need a break. Body needs a break. <laughs> I know people want to make money and they want you know these tournaments and these you know play-ins and all this other stuff or seven on sevens and stuff like that are fun and you can get your get yourself out there and get noticed but you are wearing yourself out your body and stuff so it's important make sure you take a break um and get checked out regularly as black men especially you know in our, in our community like we don't a lot of black men don't go to the doctor often go get checked out if you don't go have your kids go get checked out, especially if they're playing sports regularly to make sure everything's good. So, um, yeah, so uh, other news, NFL news before we get to Ravens training camp. Uh, free agent running backs find new homes. So we saw Dalvin Cook signs a deal with the New York Jets. Um, we'll be playing with Brees Hall in the backfield there with Aaron Rodgers. And Ezekiel Elliott signs a deal with the New England Patriots. Um, after all that we saw the last month or so, two months, running backs need to stick together. You 
know, we got to go ahead and, you know, we need to hold out. End of the day, guys got to get paid, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one thing to sit out and not make any money and just leave money on the table. Um, but you're seeing, I think Dalvin got, what was it, eight, eight million one year? I don't know if it's it all guaranteed or there's like mostly. Uh, let me check. I don't think it's all guaranteed, but again, it's it's further knocking that value down. That you know the NFL played hardball with these running backs, and then like, look, you better we got what another after this week. You know, we got another week of basically training camp, and then the season start. So you got to get in somebody's somebody's training room, somebody's training camp now before the season starts. Because if you don't, they ain't signing you until somebody gets hurt, and that could be for eight nine weeks without a paycheck. Um. Devin Cook on the Jets. I, I'm kind of surprised. I kind of thought he was going to go to Miami, to be honest with you. I really thought he was going to go to Miami, but maybe the Jets maybe offered him another million or 1.2, whatever it, the number was. Maybe he wanted to play with Aaron Rodgers. You know, he, see, he sees him a lot. He played in Minnesota. Um, I, I, he's from Florida. I thought, you know, playing Miami, there's a very fast offense. And uh, I think. You know, a guy like, you know, McDaniel, McDaniel, is it McDonald? McDonald. The coach. Oh, uh, McDaniel. McDaniel. Um, he seems, he draws it up really well. You know, I kind of thought, you know, he would have definitely have plays for Mike, for Dalvin Cook. Uh, and then, you know, say, from went Florida State, you know, got family down there and stuff. I mean, it seems like a perfect fit, but he goes to play in New York. Uh, for fantasy purposes, I'm not picking, I'm not picking any just running backs. Because Brees Hall is just going to handcuff Dalvin Cook. I don't know who to start. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like it's going to be last on the list this year, I think. One of yeah, yeah. Dalvin Cook. Yeah. When you know the last couple of years, I usually picked Dalvin Cook as one of my top guys, but he's running behind. And Brees Hall, we saw what he did before he got hurt. You know, I'm, I don't know who's going to be getting getting the touchdown. So I'm going to stay away from these the Jets running backs unless they're like seventh, eighth round, and you know they're yeah. still on there, and I'll go ahead and snap. Yeah, that's the that's the weird part about like you said this this running back situation like they just they just don't have a leg to stand on at this point like no. like the jet the jet signing Dalvin Cook just kind of tells you everything you need to know like they didn't they didn't sign him because they needed him <laughs> because they I really think, didn't yeah. they I mean it anyone could use a Dalvin Cook I mean don't get me wrong like I we could any any team could use him but it's not like he was a necessity to the point where you know we need to pay him. All those kinds of money, so eight million or up to eight million or whatever his deal is, that's a nice piece of nice piece of change for him. Um, I would thought he would be one of the running backs that probably get a little bit higher, but in this where we're at right now, it just it just doesn't work out that way. But yeah, I did think that he was going to go somewhere else, but he was probably swayed by Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's that's my guess. But um, but yeah, it's just it's just it's just where we are now. Um, it's you just gotta pick your pick your spot and and, and figure it out because right now just the way the contract situations are and the CBA and all this other stuff like you it really just is what it, and where the game's going they they don't need you it's almost kind of like you know the coaches are kind of like relying on this QB I'm sorry not QB but running back by committee 
is kind of more valuable to them than just having one guy at this point because just the lack of durability. And if you're not a you know rookie running back, it's like we really don't need you. And even being a household name isn't really giving you as much value as what that used to used to give you. I mean, the fact that Dalvin Cook was a free agent in the first place tells you that you know what you need to know. Like he wasn't really needed, um, but he's nice to have. So that's kind of what it's going to be going forward. Um, do we need you? No, but will you be nice to have? Yes, and we know that the need you money is different from the nice to have money. So that's just what the new way is right now until something changes, which I can't see that happen anytime soon, just the way uh, because of the direction the game is going. And the same thing with with Zeke. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's that much of a different situation there. Um, it's going to be weird watching him play for New England just because of um, the head coach and his personality um, and just, I, you know, it's just a completely different culture from Dallas going to New England. So that's going to be interesting to watch. But, um, you know, new opportunity for him um, over there. And we'll just kind of see if his game changes, if he kind of picks up. It seems like he's been pretty inconsistent the last couple of seasons. He's had, he's been up, he's been down. Um, but, you know, under new leadership we'll see if something changes but not shocked at these moves um or how late these guys end up getting signed either just based on what the way things are going yeah um i like what Corey said like i think you know the running backs are at the short end of like this over value with like the offensive alignment defense alignment and the quarterbacks because the thing i'm noticing and the running backs are getting the short end of this but a lot of a lot of guys aren't getting second paydays and i mean across the lead running backs wide receivers tight ends linebackers safeties cornerbacks the second paydays are going to the linemen and the quarterbacks that's where it's at so like we're seeing like an overvalue overvaluation of certain positions because you know most of the money are is going to the quarterbacks i mean these deals are up in the 60 millions now so like there needs to be a push for shorter contracts like in a move probably closer to what the nba is doing they're allowing guys to extend in their third year i have you player know? options right at least we have, have player, player options, options too. yeah player options so you know in the nfl a team can own you for a while without paying you, you look at gus edwards he hasn't had a nice payday yet and with the production he's had with the Ravens, he's never going to hit the open market. He'll never hit it, man. You got that restricted, the restricted tender. Um, you know, and I, I truly don't even understand how that even works. But, you know, nevertheless, like, the issue is, like, you're stuck with a team. And by the time you are able to hit free agency, you're like 27, 28. Mm-hmm. And as a running back, you're out of your prime at 30 to the front office so there's not a lot of opportunity to make money so i think yeah what we're saying here there needs to be a uh push for shorter contracts shorter rookie deals um so these guys can take advantage of you know their career because i mean this is the most tax one of the most taxing if not the most taxing position in the league um so you know it sucks but uh, circling back on dalvin cook they said his contract is uh the majority of it's guaranteed eight point i think it's 8.4 million um, but yeah, it says the majority is guaranteed, not exactly how much, but it has uh, like 1.2 in incentives. 
1.6 in incentives, um, seven million dollar base salary, so eight point six total. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I'm and looking up. Uh, go ahead, Drake. I was gonna say, and, and what's Saqu- what was Saquon getting? Like he's getting like close to ten now, or something like yeah, that. I think he's ten point one. And that's and that's after begging. Oh, eleven. This is eleven. I think they offered him ten, and he took eleven. Oh, his and salary like, is ten point one. Yeah, and yeah, he took eleven. Yeah. Yeah, he sat out for one point one million. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, I mean, like, I'm not taking the ten. I ain't, I ain't paying the yeah. five. Crazy. I ain't paying the. He took. They give uh, one. All right, we'll give you another one point one minute. So yeah, yeah right? for that. So yeah, I'm looking at going. Gus's contract, and he's got. Um, this is the last year the Ravens had to pay him any like really guaranteed money, and then he's got like four void those void years they add into the contract. They got four void years added onto his deal. So, and because because of how they use Gus, like you're right, he's he's never gonna get paid. He's got like some of these running backs are stuck where they're stuck on these teams because they got golden handcuffs. We're the only one that's gonna pay you. Their value at the money we're paying you. If you go on the open market, you'll be lucky to make 900k. Like, you'll be lucky. Like that's what the sad part about it is. Like, they see new CBA is not gonna come up for another. Like, I think they said seven years. Um, so they can't do anything. But I think the players really need to push for. They need to talk to uh, MLB reps, the player reps, and NBA player reps, and figure out how these guys got. I mean, like I said, we've seen they were able to factor in player options. Like if if a player it doesn't like the situation he's in with the current team, he can just opt out. Like I'm not signing next year's contract because I don't like what's going on here. I'm out. But with the NFL players now, you're just stuck unless they trade you. You're stuck. You can't really go. You know, and then you. You know, the only thing they really got was, you know, the no, the, like the no trade clauses. That's the only thing they really have as leverage when they do sign their deals. Like you said, Travis, the only people that are getting that are quarterbacks and maybe some wide receivers. And, you know, like they, the trend is going because of how they're using more wide receivers now. I'm pretty sure in the next couple of years, these NFL owners are going to be like, well, there's, only, there's like four of you, you know, there's, you know, you're catching all these touchdowns and stuff. So in order to pay you know we gotta you know bring down the money a little bit and like what side cap keeps going up y'all revenue keeps going up why are we, why are we making less money now the same thing they did with the running backs five platoon you know and all the new uh, the new rookie running backs is just kind of restarting the cycle because it's like you know they, they're not about to join the fight coming out of college so yeah, Corey, Corey saying like, what we what we said last week. He said some talking heads say teams, front offices are looking to being basically removing the running back position altogether. You know, um, yeah. I mean, look, I said unless you're gonna be like maybe like a Saquon Barkley type or maybe an Austin Eckler, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, where you can like line up in the slot, line up like as a wide receiver and catch the football. Like it's gonna be be, be kind of called the flank. It's been like that flanker position back in. The 50s and the 60s you know it's gonna yeah. be that flanker position like that's gonna be you're you it's not gonna be a running back it's gonna be a guy that happens to the debo sam samuel or the debo samuel role like it's gonna be you occasionally will take take you know, the snap in the backfield but also line with wide receiver but even that's pacheco we be. talked about it last week even with pacheco he's he's that type of guy you're talking yeah. about he's screwed as well he's and then the, the chiefs are gonna pay him so he's like yeah. you know he's Look what happened to Cordell Patterson. Cordell Patterson basically is the is the hybrid is what the NFL wants. That's what mm-hmm. that's what the NFL wants. They want a, a wide receiver that can occasionally get the ball in the backfield and run. We got a guy that plays two positions basically. 
And return kicks sometimes. And return kicks. There you yeah. go. Percy Harvin would have killed. If he had those head issues, if he had migraines, like I think it was migraines that was really good hitting him. Oh. If he had, man, Percy Harvin would have been eating in this league right now. Man, this is damn shit. Anyway, um, <laughs> on to uh, on to NFL training camp news, but of course, the only one we want to talk about Ravens Commanders training camp. Um, so this week, the Ravens were, I think, Monday. Did it start Monday or Tuesday? Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday. They've been they've been practicing with the Washington Commanders, and you know things have been getting a little chippy. And we got some video um, to show you guys. It's a video of some of these uh, hits. I think the first one you want to show is what started it all is Tylen Wallace. I think caught a caught a pass and then it looked like uh, Manuel Forbes was swatting at him and maybe hit a sensitive area. I would I would have punched him too. Let me show you this video clip real quick. Well, I almost said when he threw it. I when Mink was like, "Oh, he's going deep." I, I almost said Mark Andrews must be somewhere down there. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! We got some punches being thrown. <laughs> so I, I, like, I like that Tylen stood up for himself there and you know this is I think something we haven't really seen from the Ravens in any training when they've had these joint practices uh, they've had it with the 49ers before especially when Jim Harbaugh was there uh, but we never really heard in any you know, scuffles like this breaking out um, it was it was it was, it was nice to see some little some 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 energy you know some emotion from this from this offense um we also want to show, I think, from today as well, a couple um, instances. So I'll show you just a 10-second clip real quick, and then it will show Mark Andrews and his uh, him his antics. <laughs> <laughs> this one. That was our Darius Washington throwing whoever out of the out of frame onto the sideline I mean, he got a flag for it but you saw how the ravens defense came around him like we're hyping him up after that they loved it uh, it might have been a little bit of a flop too man it might have been but i mean I this is like five eight five nine yeah. that dude six seven he's got at least 80 pounds on him i know he does like but still i mean the defense i love that the defense came around him even though it was a flag the defense came around him and like hyped him up like they were just like yeah and then we'll show uh let's show mark andrews real quick. <laughs> I like how he slams a dude and just walks away. <laughs> like, there's nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. <laughs> I love it, man. Is it, is it is it Tank Davis or is it Tylen Wallace? Is it Dwayne Johnson or was that Mark <laughs> like, I, I love it, man. I love the chippiness. It's a – we were talking earlier. It's it's definitely a new energy in that building. I don't know what it is. Um, well, I kind of have a couple ideas what it is with a couple of the players, but – it's just everything's new, brand new, man. New, new offense, new system, new players, um, new coaches, new, new everything. Andrews, um, throughout this whole off season into the start of training camp, you know, practice all of that, he's been like not talked about at all. And I think sometimes he just wants to send a reminder that I'm still that guy. Like I'm the one who's been holding his offense up for the past several years. So. 
I, I think that's a part of his his chippiness, his feistiness um, going into practice. Tylen Wallace, um, also uh, an overlooked player, but he's also been he's also fighting for a roster spot. So it's it's more at stake for him than it is for any of these other guys. And I think um, you know the way he's been battling in camp. Not just I'm not just talking about the fights, but he's having an amazing camp. And he was one of the guys that, to be honest, was not on my radar at making his roster whatsoever. I mean, he, he's been solid for us. He's been um, there for us when we needed him in the situation that we needed him in. But I never, I didn't really think that he was going to be like duking it out for um, those last couple of roster spots. And just what I've seen in camp for these couple of days that's been live streamed, obviously we haven't seen the whole um, entire camp, but just from these two camps that I've seen, he's been making hell of a lot of plays out there, um, a lot more than what I've expected to see. So with that in combination with um, what he's on, like just not letting these these commanders come in there and just kind of push these guys around, um, I, I love what I've seen from him, and I love what I've seen from Mark being the leader of the team. So I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, I'm glad it's the last day of practice because I think a third day would have been kind of doing too much. But, um, yeah, I, I think we got some good work in while they were in town. Yeah. And if, if Tylen is is fighting for a spot, that punch may have got him that spot because he, mm-hmm. he got him right in the chin. Like, you know, usually players hit the helmet like dummies. Yeah. He got him right in the chin. So I love it. Like, like the one thing I've seen since I've been to the practices is that like this mainly I've been talking about the defense, but that bully ball mentality, that physicality, like that we're gonna run right through you mentality has been there all training camp. And I'm seeing it on the offensive side now. Like when Andrews hit the the slam, the rock bottom, people's elbow, whatever, like like Andrews is really showing that like you said he is underrated he probably has been hearing all this stuff from people saying george ranking george kittle above him for whatever reason that don't make any sense um because mark andrews is definitely like the one b tight end in the league with a number two tight end and they keep ranking the other guys trying to put him ahead of him so i know he feels disrespected I know he's angry because they haven't won it they haven't advanced deep into the playoffs so i think all that is building up and you know i feel like it's a sense with all the guys like they're like this is our year we're tired of being overlooked we're tired of people saying we're gonna come in third in the division when we've been a mainstay at the top of this division for like 15 years so like that attitude is there and these guys the shackles are free from greg roman the shackles are free from steve saunders these guys can be free to to have their talents used these guys are angry because they're tired of losing when they know they are a super bowl contending team and it's coming out and i like the feistiness i like the attitude i like as they used to say back in the old ravens days the swagger like Mm -hmm. i love it and i even love our darius washington because this is a guy who's gonna have to step in now that and be that guy and he's shown out all training camp he is one of our better guys in the secondary that doesn't get talked about. And to see him throw that tight end, that tight end leave his feet, like, I love to see it. Like, this is the Ravens team we need, have needed, and they are here. And I want to see them show this type of grit, this attitude, this feistiness all season. 
Now you think, I mean, yeah, especially like with the Bengals, you know, they've been talking the last two years. They've been chirping, even in the offseason. And, you know, the Ravens, for the most part, have been quiet. They haven't, even on the field, like they haven't really shown that same kind of, you know, we heard what you guys were saying about us and, you know, we don't appreciate it. But now you're, like you guys are saying, like now you're starting to see a little bit of that. We're not going, I'm not going to have you coming up, and especially in our, our practice field and doing, I'm not having y'all do that. No, we're not, we're not doing this here. You're in Owens Mill. You know, you ain't doing this. <laughs> you know, That's crazy. <laughs> you ain't gonna do that up here. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I, I do. I do like that. That um, that you said that Trey. You said that Mark Andrews threw his helmet down when I think Tylen Wallace caught a touchdown. Was that today? But were you talking about Justin Tucker or were you talking about Andrews? Oh, I think you said somebody. I think we were saying before the show, like yeah. Like, um, so, Andrews threw his helmet down because and because Tom Watts caught a touchdown. I think. Oh, I think it was Travis. Yeah, yeah, okay. it was Zay. Zay caught a touchdown. I don't know Zay, if Andrews yeah. was open too, but Zay caught a touchdown and <laughs> Andrews threw his helmet down and they walked off the field. I think it was towards <laughs> the end of practice. Okay, I think Marcus used. I think look, I, I, look, I, I ask you guys this question. I think the dynamic is going to change um, within this. I know now. Look, I mean, uh, Monkey is known, especially at Georgia. For throwing the tight ends, he used them extensively when he was there. Um, but when you got guys like Zay Flowers and Odell in your receiver room, it's going to be hard to not throw them the football. Um, do you think that that could cause a little bit of friction? I mean, Mark Andrews is used to getting all the mainly the, the big time impact targets. That maybe some of those targets are, gonna, are definitely going to come down. You know, then with Shar Bateman when he starts to come on too. I, I would anticipate that some of that is going to impact Mark Andrews in a negative spot. Do you think that that maybe could cause a little bit of friction or you think it's more of Mark Andrews? It's like, again, it's it's hot, it's camp, it's, you know, you're in the heat of the, you know, if you're out there playing with the, playing your boys and you're open to damn ball, like, you know, you're in the moment, you're not really upset about it, but at the same time, it's like, you know, yeah. so you yeah, think it's going to cause a little bit of friction there? I honestly don't think it's going to cause as much friction with what people might think only because, you know, the offense at, at the end of the day is running through Lamar. So, I mean, we, we see that issue happening a lot with different teams and things like that. But just the way Lamar is and how they respect him over there, um, you know, Andrews and Lamar obviously have a special connection. They've always yeah. had that connection, you know, kind of right, right away. Um, he's been his go-to target um, from day one. I don't think... Lamar is going to look at him less as far as being a top playmaker. Um, obviously, we have more miles to feed on that offense, but just the way I know that, and this is obviously from far, I don't know their direct relationship, but we can all see just based on how Andrews talks about Lamar all the time. Like it, it's that that's a direct that's going to be a di- direct reason why we're not going to have that issue in Baltimore. I think. Even with Odell, I don't think he's going to have that issue either because I think he just had the portion of his career now where some of those things might actually matter less. And it's not like he's fighting for incentives this year. I mean, right, his contract is <laughs> guaranteed. So whether you catch that ball or not, whether he gets 100 completions or whether he gets 50 completions, he's not making a penny less than what he would um, either way. So. I think that's, you know, that's one thing. Zay's obviously a rookie, so he's not even in this conversation as far as fighting over targets. Obviously, he's going to win the ball, too, but we're not going to see any frustration from a rookie. Um, 
but yeah, I don't I don't see that happening with with Andrews. And if it does happen, it'll be because we're losing and we're losing a lot. We're losing consistently, and then any team is going to start having issues. Um, so I I think that will be the main thing. I think the only issues we're going to have is if we start losing games and. And then guys are starting to feel as though they're not getting the ball enough, and that's why they're losing those games. But outside of that, I don't think I have any real concern. I think I think even in a new offense, I think their respect level for Lamar and Lamar's respect level for them is going to outweigh any of that potential nonsense that could occur. Yeah, I think I think he just got a chip on his shoulder because now I'm starting to think about like early in training camp, he was flipping off referees and busting oh, yeah. out <laughs> when they make a call. I think he just got a chip on his shoulder. Like, I really think he does. I think he understands the expectations and he wants to live up to it. He wants his team to. Like, I think he's just he's just completely locked in and it's just projecting an anchor. <laughs> like, my man is just angry. And I ain't got nothing wrong with it. Hey, play angry. If that's what does it for you, that's what brings us to Super Bowl, do it. But he's, yeah, he's been going off on everybody. The helmets, the referees, other players. So, I I think he'll be fine. I I read somewhere that um because it actually got brought up today. I don't know if it was an article or I just saw it on social media, but it was brought up today. Like, is his frustration about targets? And one of the uh, reporters who's been in every training camp practice said Mark Andrews is still twice as targeted as anybody on that team. So he's getting twice the amount of targets. So, I mean, I don't think that's going to be a problem come the season. Yeah. Well, and that, I mean, look, at the end of the day, right, um, I think you can't really be concerned about him. You know, if he gets upset, he didn't get the ball. I mean, if, if you're if you're the if you're the guy, you want the ball every time. Like, plain and simple. You want the ball. Like, and that's what you want. You know, you want your star tight end in the league right now. If you're Travis, if you're right, if you're in that that talk with Kittle and Kelsey, you like, I want the ball every time. If, if possible, I want the ball. So, um, but yeah, we didn't get the clip though. But you know, we sh- they showed a clip of Dave Flowers um, pitting uh, the cornerback he was on and put him in the mixer or something. He put him in the Thunder, spin yeah. cycle. Yeah. <laughs> he hit a cut. <laughs> that man went off camera. Like he went off into a, he went to another training camp. It's back to the locker room for him. Yeah, I, like I said, it's uh, what Corey said. You know, Zay's gonna be. It's it's. I know it's only camp. Uh, and I guess we'll segue into our thoughts about this preseason game. Um, um, watching it, I know Zay didn't real. I think caught the ball maybe maybe twice. I think in the in the game, but it was what we saw when he wasn't throwing the football. Right? It was when he's at the line of scrimmage. He's so fast that the cornerback had no choice but to like grab his face mask. He he's shifting so shifting so much. He had to grab him by the face mask just to stop him slowing down. Had to. And then the other one, I think he's going down for a deep route, and the cornerback just grabs him. He knows, like, if I let him go, he's going for a touchdown. So he just grabs him, gets a holding penalty. Um, and that's, you know, what we've, we've been saying, I think, for years now, is we, we we haven't had any wide receivers be able to get those illegal, illegal holding or holding penalties and pass interference penalties. We see other teams do it all the time, right? And they can get guys downfield and their, their wide receivers can get the legal contact calls all they can get it like like it's nothing so with a guy like zay flowers especially if he's going to play outside with that speed guys are going to be willing like i'll give up 15 20 yards if that means he doesn't score a 65 yard touchdown um 
Also from the game, we saw uh, Josh Johnson got the second string snaps. He looked okay. Uh, but Tyler Huntley came in, I think, the third and fourth quarter looked a lot better. Um, the arm strength was a little bit better. I know, Travis, you were saying in, in the group chat that he was throwing stuff up there. <laughs> it looked like a punt. <laughs> stuff was hanging up there a little too long. Uh, I will say it looked like more his, his more short and intermediate stuff looked a lot like a lot faster. I, I don't think really think they tried him with any deep stuff. I don't think that's his forte if he's a backup. But um, he looked a lot more. He was definitely running, running around a lot. He did pull up at I think the third or fourth quarter. It looked like he had a hamstring issue. Um, I think he's dealing with that right now. Um, we saw Gus kind of get the carries in the third and fourth quarter, which I kind of thought was odd. Um, kind of wanted to see more Keaton Mitchell out there. He was out there for a little bit. Um, but I'll say this: I'll give I'll give the Ravens a little grace here in the sense that a lot of times for these games, you want to see what you if you you know you got a guy that knows that that's good at doing doing well. You don't really need to see what they got. Like I already know, we already know this is for guys who we're still on the bubble. These are for guys that are. We're trying to see if they're going to make the team. You know, they put Gus back out there because, you know, he did suffer an injury last year and they thought you want to get him as many reps as possible um, out there as well. And then he did, we saw Keaton out there, I think, on kick return and punt return as well, fielding kicks. Um, I'm hoping to see him a little bit more in this game. Um, edge rusher wise, we saw Jabo out there for a little bit. Anna Owe, they didn't really get a lot of pressure. Uh, Marcus Mariota was kind of doing whatever he wanted to do with that defense when he was out there for that first half. Um, Brandon Stevens, I think that his, his he's always in the right place. He's always right. He's in the right place, but he just doesn't know, to, doesn't know what to do with his hands when he gets there. Like he's always right there on top of the wide receiver, but somehow the wide receiver always sees him make the catch on him. He, his hands never. He never doesn't look around when he needs to. He's not putting his hand in the right place to knock the ball out or whatever. But he's always right there. He's not getting burned or anything by anybody. He's playing good coverage. He's just got to, I don't know, maybe he's just, what, his third year in the league now at this point. This may be just who he is. Um, and I think uh, Jalen Armour Davis was out there as well. And Darius Washington was out there. Um, it was, I mean, I think we saw, was it Malik Harrison in the first drive get a sack? We saw that. But that was it after that. You know, they didn't really do much of anything after that. Um, I'm trying to think who else shined pretty well. The guy, uh, the other linebacker, Sanders, um, played pretty well. Uh, his name may come up considering, you know, this Ty Bowser situation. Um, they may need some more depth there at outside linebacker, you know, considering um, what he's going through. And also, you know, the Davian Clowney, I think we, we found out he did go to, what was it, Miami? Went to the Dolphins and left without a deal. So, I mean, it's the week's coming down. You only like another week and a half left before you know get ready for the season. But um, what were your guys? What would you see at, at the pre at the game that you kind of like that you liked that you saw, or some things that were a little concerned? First of all, I think Tony just trying to miss camp, but <laughs> I don't think yeah, I don't think he wants to be in camp either. You get that, that last week. Um, as far as uh, I guess my observations from 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 the game um, in particular, I wasn't all that impressed. I was I was impressed with a few things. Um, I I did love what I saw out of Keaton uh, with Keaton Mitchell. 
Yeah. I, I did love what I seen out of him. That 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 play that got called back, that run was was so good. And the and the hold and the holding um didn't really affect the run too much. I think he would have got that regardless. But as soon as he did that, we saw the next day J.K. Dobbins signed. Was back, back, right? <laughs> he hey, got off that pup list so fast. I'm like, like, when he saw that play, I think he was like, all right, let me stop playing. <laughs> Get back out here. But I, I love what I've seen out of him. Just just not even just, um, you know, just him running the ball. But I just think he's just an Army Swiss snipe. Like, we can just use him for multiple spots on the field um, and on special teams. Like, yeah, he looked good on the return as well. Like, mm-hmm. it looks like when he was hitting holes, he didn't like he knew exactly where he was going. He didn't look confused back there. He looked sure of himself. Um, so he was one of my one of the guys I was I was super high on um, starting out. I was also kind of high on um, number eighty two. Who's that? Uh, Ryan. 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 Yeah. He looks he looks a, like a bit awkward when he gets the ball. Yeah. But he was making he, plays. He catching, he catching everything. He was catching everything thrown his way, and he was making plays. So um, I definitely appreciated that. I, I, I like what I saw out of him um, towards the end of that game, especially because it seemed like he was almost taking it over. He had like three or four catches in a row and things like that. So I thought I thought that was pretty dominant of him. Um, Josh Johnson, our, our backup, he didn't really look good at all. I mean, he looked okay, but... He, he looked like almost like as if he regressed from last year. And that's just one game, not regressed as a whole. But in that game, he did not look as good as he looked. Um, he, he looked his age. Yeah, yeah. He, to me, to me, he looked better in those regular season games. He had to play yeah. when Lamar hurt to me in those games than he did in that preseason game. Because um, Huntley came in, and he he obviously looked like the clear, better um, backup quarterback um, when, when he came in. So it was kind of like Nash was like he picked up where he left off. And he looked even kind of better like he – Kind of drove the offense right right down the field. Um, as far as um, another thing, I'm trying to think of other things that I liked. I did like just a couple of plays as they did. I mean, he didn't produce a whole lot of yards, but you can kind of see, you know, his impact was on the field. Yeah, where he's going to be getting that. And on top of that, it's not like you know Munkin put out you know his top plays for that preseason game. It's probably a whole bunch of stuff that they got lined up for. Zay specifically that you know we're just not going to unleash into the you know into the regular season starts but you know he looked as good as advertised um as soon as he touched the ball you know making a quick troop move and and getting to the next level a little bit so I obviously like what I saw out of, out of him tight ends um did okay um there was a couple of I think Cola Cola might maybe dropped a couple of passes but you know it's like the first time we've seen him in action in a while, so I'm, I'm not going to hold that against him. He made a couple of plays too, and um, that's about as much as I saw offensively that I that I liked. Um, there was some concern, I would say, definitely with the offensive line. Um, that offensive line to me is not buttoned up enough at all. Um, it seems like they were under duress more so in the beginning of the game, um, and and you can't really judge them off of. You know, them lining up against like one of the best D lines in the league because that that D line was kind of crazy with uh, Carter. Jalen Carter, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, they said the Eagles been having issues with him in training camp. <laughs> right, but even, but even on that play where he made that that almost sack on um on a QB. Uh, I'm trying to think who was the lineman. Was that Ben Cleveland? Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, Cleveland. Oh gosh, yeah, he's gonna be cut. It was just like yes, yes, it's Jalen Carter, but. Come on, man! Like, 
it, anybody could have been standing there and not let him get you off of that move. He literally just brushed him out the way. Some effort, right? Some effort. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really like that. And that was actually kind of a trend. Um, I didn't really like the offensive line play as much, even when I was watching the live streams today um, at camp. Because I, I seen that they got several sacks on both days. And I don't know, it just seemed a, a little bit more one-sided and on the line point of view. And I think that's my right when it's switching to the defense i think it's kind of kind of similar i didn't really see the pass rush that i would like to see um especially i'm not talking about on blitz plays but just non-blitz plays just the rush on the edge it seems like they were kind of like controlling them at the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. a little bit so I, I i would like to see more still out of oa and ojabo um but you know it's the first game so i'm not holding it you know too much against them but I'm still not super pleased with, with that. The Brandon Stevens point you made, I couldn't have said it better, really. I mean, it's kind of what we see all the time. Like, at the end of the play, he's either, like, right laying on top of the receiver or he's right underneath of the receiver, mm-hmm. but he never caught the ball. Like, it's kind of like he's almost there or he's right there, but for some reason he, he's just not making a play. But I do think it's going to connect for him at some point. So I, I think he might improve because we need him to. I mean – we don't really have no choice at this point with all the, you know, our DB issues in general um, that we're having. I mean, I, I feel like we're really strong at safety, but our, our cornerbacks, the, the fact that, you know, they're just going down left and right, we're, we're going to need those guys to step up because I don't know how soon our front office is going to jump on finding somebody available because most of them are up are on other teams. There ain't nobody available. So it's going to be interesting to see who steps up. Um, but overall, you know, I, I I think it was a decent um, a decent outing. Um, as as far as the secondary, it just like I said, it just didn't look it didn't look great. But we didn't really expect it to look great. But it's still their backups versus our backups, so you still expect to see somebody step up and make those plays. But I think that should definitely been enough to sound the alarm and and let let the uh, squad know that it's time to go get help kind of sooner than later but uh we ain't, we're in we're in trouble in that department but overall i like i like what i saw for the most part i mean i don't really have any too many too many gripes cool um yeah i mean you all said most of my points the one thing i'm gonna just say what like i feel differently i'm i'm still okay on the offensive line because i think the highlights like maybe emphasize too much or overemphasize how they played the rest of the game because like Ben Cleveland gave that up but he was solid the rest of the game and I think you know we didn't have everybody in I think when we look at this team come regular season we're going to have a great left tackle we're going to have a average right tackle a really good right guard a really good center and an average to below average left guard. I think, and I think that gets you through pass pro wise. I think, I think that gets you through. I mean, you're going to have your hiccups or whatever, but I think that gets you through. Um, but that left guard spot is really concerning. Um, I think maybe John Simpson is in the lead right now. Yeah. And then you got that seventh, sixth or seventh rounder that's looking as the second guy, and then Ben Cleveland, who should be the guy. He should clearly be the starter because he's had games where he's dominated. And then the rest of the time, he just looks like trash. Like, I remember um, 
man, what was that game? It was like the one game that Greg Roman called the game of his life. I think it was a Monday night game against the, was Chiefs. It Buccaneers? Was it the Buccaneers. Oh, it was the Chiefs. Chiefs. Um, okay. Not last year, but the year before. It was a primetime game against the Chiefs where we just we dominated the second half against the run. And Ben Cleveland was a big part of that. Right. He was a road grader. Like he was always yeah. getting to the second yeah. level. Like he was killing it. But his, his feet are awful. So I know they've been yeah. playing him at right tackle some. I know Falafel has been playing right tackle some. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I think my concern is more about our depth. I think star, our starters are cool, but I think we do need to get more. But I know Ben Cleveland, he was solid the rest of that game. Like, he kind of tightened up, but that highlight just made him look awful because it was yeah. just so terrible. Like, he got abused. So I'm okay on the O line. I'm really concerned with the DB, with the corners. I'm just going to say the corners. Um, Jalen Armour Davis, I'm, I'm high on him. I'm down on everybody else except Bardarius. But I kind of consider him like a safety that plays nickel. But the rest of the corners, I'm kind of down on. I know a lot of people are hyping up Seymour, but I'm not as high on Seymour as everybody is saying like on social media. Um, I think I'm kind of concerned about Gus. The fact that he's getting carries um, late in the preseason I'm starting to wonder, and I've been wondering this since the start of camp, because Justice Hill has been getting way more snaps than Gus. I'm yeah. not even going to lie. And this offense, Munkin's offenses are usually catered towards a scat back, which Gus Edwards is not. So I'm really starting to wonder, and the theory, the theorist in me is like, my wheels are starting to turn. Could we see a point in this season where Gus is the RB3? I would not. I would not be stuck. Basically, we, like when, when we look at a training camp, right, like we've barely seen Ricard. Like I've seen him a couple times with special teams with Justin Tucker and them talking to them, and with the O line practicing with them. And like you guys said, even in when they're lined up in these formations, Gus isn't really out there. Like it's Justice, and when JK gets out there, it's going to be him and Keith Mitchell. Like that's he, he Munkin even at Georgia relies. That's what he relies on speed. He had Nick Chubb and he had Kareem Hunt when he was in Cleveland. So he's looking at a similar situation he's got in Baltimore. He's got, I got two. JK is basically a Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is a split between Keith Mitchell and Justice Hill. And we've been saying for years, Justice Hill, I think, was just misused. You know, they didn't know how to use him because of his speed. But we clearly see Todd Munkin knows what to do with Justice Hill. We can clearly see that. Um, So you're right. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets that running back three designation. I mean, got those, got those void years, right? Yeah, those like, four extra void years. That's, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how it, how it plays. Um, yeah. Another thing I did like, I did like what we saw with those touchdown catches, the back shoulder touchdown catches that Josh Johnson threw and Tyler Huntley. Um, that was clearly a Todd Munkin thing, putting those routes in there that they catch it. Like, catch it only where your receiver can catch it. You know, everybody the only person does this. Everybody, everybody does back shoulder, right? I, I love I love seeing that, seeing those back shoulders. You can clearly see that they, they Tyler Huntley and Josh Johnson ran those same plays in the red zone, and they were touchdowns every each time. So I'm like, back shoulder, I mean, times we, you know, seen where they ask Lamar to throw a fade route up top, throw it up high, and ask your 5'8 wide receiver to jump and try to go get it. Like, it, yeah. it's, no. Like, you know, they, they were, the, when, when the Ravens were in the red zone, they were either throw it to high point the ball with Mark Andrews, or they were trying to just run it in. Like, they had nothing else. So seeing those back shoulder throws and catches were like, that was yeah. nice to see. I did like that. Yeah. Um, also, uh, you know, Justin Tucker. 
man, 60 yards. And he had like when they show he had like five or six yards underneath the ball. Like he could he could have made that for 65. The goal. He just did that one for the fans, I guess. He did. I think I, I think like they could have easily punted the ball, but I think Tuck was like, oh, I need some I need practice too. You know, I need, I need practice for these games too. I, I know I'm the I'm the I'm the man and everything, but I still need to come out here and practice every now and then. You know, so he hit that 60 yarder was like he probably hit it like, okay, I'm I'm good. Like I don't need to kick rest. Of, I don't need to kick rest of preseason. I'm good. I'm sure. Uh, so I did like, I did like seeing that was that was nice to see. The crowd went crazy too, and doesn't suck it. Everybody was like, man. Yeah. And I, I was I was also watching it on NFL Network, um, and you know they were just like, man, it's, it's unreal. It's unreal. Like I mean, it's 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 legit. Like Justin Tucker and no one else. Like there's no like one A or it's Justin Tucker. Is the best kicker in the NFL. Period. There's not there's no one even there's other guys that have had decent seasons here and there. They come out the guy McPherson, I think, in Cincinnati, that's pretty good, but he's not as accurate as Justin Tucker is. Yeah. He's a weapon, man. He's a weapon. When you got a guy like that can kick it from 65, 60 yards to win a win game. A football, win a football game. That's the crazy part. The clutch part is Yeah. You know, like it's you don't don't teams don't really value kickers a lot until you need to win. You're only down by two points, and you're in field goal range, and your yeah. kicker sucks. Like, <laughs> and, we, and, we were, and we've been blessed to see it consistently, which is yeah. yeah we we from matched over to Justin Tucker, you know. Well, we had those Billy two years. years, yeah. We don't talk. We don't talk about those. It's like Baltimore. We don't talk about. Those. And, and even and he <laughs> he was good. He was all he, pro that year. Yeah, and he just he just missed the worst kick of his career. That's all. The year yeah. that we but we lost to the Patriots in that game, he was an all pro that year. He was an all pro kicker. Yeah, but that, that never seen him talk about Never he was going. Um. So I mean, look, we'll, we'll, we'll mention it now. I mean, obviously the news came down. Martin Humphrey uh, had to have surgery on his foot. Apparently, it was it's been a lingering injury. I don't know how long this has been a lingering issue. Um, but he's going to be out a considerable amount of time. They're saying now it's going to be a month, which means he's probably going to miss uh, the Texans game and the Bengals game. Um, so the Ravens, I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rocky Sin is already still dealing with his injury. Uh, so you're, you're one and two starting cornerbacks. Probably not playing weekly. So that leaves you with Ardarius Washington. It leaves you with Kaibu Kelly, Brandon Stevens, Kayvon Seymour. And I think Rick Travis, the only reason they're hyping up Kayvon Seymour is because they have to, right? They don't have any other option. But, oh, man, Kayvon's killing it out there. Like, I'm pretty sure he is. <laughs> Until he has to go guard Jamar Chase. Then we'll yeah, see how yeah. good he actually is. Yeah. Jamar Chase, they're probably doing the gritty right now. He's doing it. In his, he's like, man, he saw Marlon Humphrey go down. He's like, I'm about to. Get 200 yards on these fools, man. Uh, but that's gonna be look. I think um, as I was texting my my dad, and my brother earlier, and he's like, uh, "This puts even more pressure now on the pass rush. They have to get it, get it going." I mean, I know I, I, Marlon's gonna be back. They said hopefully after week two, but that's that's the that's the you know positive side. Who know, I don't know what his rehab's gonna look like with his foot injury. It could be something that be could be with him all year. You know, it's not gonna, I don't know if it's going to completely fix what's wrong or whatever that may be. Um, I think the Ravens are benefiting the fact that he can just sit down. He won't have to really rush him back. And it was the first couple of weeks. 
but you're having a division game against the Bengals early that you want to you would like to have a win you know early in the season and not have to wait until towards the end and it becomes more you know a lot of more stress and all that other stuff on it so um i wouldn't be surprised if you know when cuts start coming in you know the ravens are looking around and you know they said there'll be teams that have drafted cornerbacks high and maybe have a guy on their roster that's either you know contracts coming up or you know they're willing to move on from that the ravens go ahead i wouldn't be surprised if edc's looking at that right now and basically going ahead and signing he may sign a couple guys to be honest with you uh, looking around at other training camps, or there could be a situation where they have guys that did draft, but the cornerback room is pretty deep, and they just may not have a space for them. You know, there's opportunities there for that as well. Um, but they're gonna, they're gonna, they cannot not make a move at this point, right? They got to do something because the, the cornerback room is so light right now. Like you're relying on, like we said, Brandon Stevens in his third year, but he's kind of is what he is. Blue Kelly is a rookie. Adarius Washington is has, has been a third string guy his whole career here in, 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 with the Ravens so far. Uh, Jalen Armour Davis is a question mark. I don't know what to expect from him. Um, Kayvon Seymour was a guy we got off the street. <laughs> so, I mean, it's... They're going to run out the line. Kyle Hamilton is going to play a big factor in this as well. Uh, and Marcus Williams on the back end. But they don't need that pass rush thing. That pass rush got to get going. Yeah. And we signed um, DeAndre Houston Carter, too. Um from the Chicago Bears. I mean, I don't know how beneficial that will be, but he's it, a body. It, it he's does a body sound right it does sound like from Chicago Bears fans that they did not want to lose him. So that's usually a good sign when you when the fans are saying, I don't know how we let him go. So hopefully that means something. We we don't know we've yet to see. Um, but like you said, EDC, EDC got to get the work um, in that room because we got to do something because what I've seen from the pass rush, hopefully, it's, you know, we're going to see something different, a different product out there um, come regular season as far as just, you know, effort and, and execution. But if 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 they show up average, mediocre, um, they're just going to they're just going to pick away at us. I mean, that Bengals game, they got three potential number one well they have one definite number one receiver the other their second string is a potential uh number one receiver too and t higgins and then you got tyler boyd was probably a two um so they got two one two two number one receivers and a second receiver pretty much that we're gonna have to lock in and uh somehow try to defend so it's definitely a, a scary situation but uh, ho- hopefully something happens. I mean, um, with like you said, with Marlins recovery, we're not going to know what that's going to look like. But uh, we got to prepare for it nonetheless. So e- either that or uh, Mike McDonald is going to have to get super creative um, when we play those, that Bengals team. And and I hate to even overlook the Texans team because I mean, it's still going to be going against whoever their number ones are going to be. So mm-hmm. it's like. You know, we, we're still talking about these, this isn't camp and it's going to be week one. So it's going to be a shock at that. So how long is it going to take for them to get in the form and and buck up their chin straps and, and, and make some plays? It's, it's going to be tough. I mean, you're asking a lot from a bunch of guys who are simply fighting to make the roster. And these are going to be the same guys September 9th that are going to have to or 10th or whatever the day, the day games on. These are the same guys that are going to have to start, start a football game. Uh, a couple of them so 
yeah, it's it's it's, it's going to be um, something to look at. But you know, hopefully, our offense will be that explosive that it, it won't matter. Yeah. Um. So obviously, this hurts. Um, I'm seeing two names pop up all over social media. Carlton Davis the third from the Bucks. And then the big splash, Jair Alexander from the Packers. Those are the two I, names. I would love to get Jair Alexander. Yeah. How so, would we gonna trade to get him? What's that situation? Like right, what's the they did not want to pay know, him? It's, it's pay a, him. It's a, yeah, it's a tense situation. They don't want to pay him. Carlton Davis, that's more of like a Bucks are trying to rebuild, so they just want some picks. Offloads um I mean, I think who's left that we can get up up off the street is Ronald Darby and Troy Hill, which maybe three years ago I would have been really excited for, but not now. So I don't know. It's one of them things where we might just have to, you know, this is this is like our Super Bowl window, especially when you see how the contracts are lined up. Like we really have to like dig in this year, next year. So after them picks. Like if we gotta if we gotta saddle up to go get Jair Alexander, let's do it. Because all it is is using a pick early. I mean, he's not an old guy. I mean, if we gotta throw a second and a fourth, let's do it. If we gotta, you know, whatever. Because we're gonna use that on a corner next year regardless. So let's just advance that right, pick anyway. and get a proven yeah. guy and go after a chip this year. I think it's something it's something worth. I mean, Carlton Davis is a, definitely a serviceable guy. I think he's a fringe one, but he's more of like a CB two. Um, you know, on a winning team. So I think, you know, you got to go after one of those guys. We got to make a move. We got to do it fast because we, we can't just like make a move like before the Cincy game or wait till the wheels fall off. We have to be proactive um, because let's be honest, Rocky Asin is on a one-year deal. There's not much faith in Rocky Asin long-term. This is just like a prove-it type deal. Jalen Armour Davis hasn't practiced, what, in like four four days so he's hurt i mean we have five dbs five five cornerbacks that are hurt right now pepe williams so, is down too yeah down. so i mean we got to make that move we got to make that move get some improvement in here um spare the feelings spare the drama let's go get somebody in here because this is our window this year and next year and then we got to start looking at cap cuts and restructuring deals and letting people go but this year and next year, we're in a good position where we can be aggressive and make some things happen. Agreed. Yeah, you made a good point there, Travis. Like, if you're if you know next year you're going to be drafting a cornerback in the first round anyway, you know why not waste? Why not trade it for a guy that's already proven to be an NFL not, not CB one caliber, you know, defensive back versus now oh, let's draft a rookie and hope he turns out to be that guy. Like, you know. Now I think his contract right now, he's due. His cap hits about ten million this year. I think he's got like another guaranteed money. His potential out is in twenty twenty five, so he's got like another two years uh, where they have to kind of pay him. But so, if we, but if we see the Ravens start restructuring some deals, calling people in like, hey, we need to get some money here, get some money there, or work out something, or I don't know, convince the Packers to take up take up some of that money. Especially if they're not trying to pay him an extension or something like that, or you know, like teams want to you know offload some some cap you know cap space and stuff. Maybe they need maybe they need to make they, they, uh, make a move for somebody you know based on Packers cap. Maybe they make make a move as well and probably trade with somebody. So um, 
look with what EDC's done this offseason, got Odell in here, and got Lamar signed. I'm pretty sure you're looking at all the options right now. Um, I just kind of wish that they addressed this a little bit earlier and did this when free agency was around and when the draft, you know, not wait until the fourth or fifth round to draft a cornerback. They had opportunities to draft some guys. Emmanuel Forbes, who, who was in, you know, again, against the Ravens this camp was there. I think when the Ravens were picking at the third, second or third round, they didn't pick him. Um, I kind of there was a few guys. They said this was a really deep draft for cornerbacks for the Ravens, and they waited until the last possible minute to draft. Um, so, but now it's it's coming back to bite. Them. Yeah. I don't know what it is about these cornerbacks and this Ravens and the Ravens training camp. They keep getting hurt. I don't know what it is. They, they got to get this out of control. Um, but the, I guess the the silver lining in all this is that Marlins situation isn't season ending. He will be hopefully back by week three could be sooner depending on how his foot feels um so it's not a thing marcus williams is you know they they're 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 straight kyle hamilton's i said is going to play play a bigger factor playing that slot role more more so definitely now with this with the cornerback situation the way it is um but like this is the line but roquan there and patrick queen as well in the middle i think they'll it's gonna be. It's definitely gonna be some situations where the Ravens are gonna give up some stuff, but I think McDonald's is gonna have to be more of that kind of that you know bend but don't break situation. They may get down the field, right? They may get down into the red zone, but we're not letting them score touchdowns. Like they, they can, they can kick field goals. If, if they can do that for a couple weeks, fine. But again, if a Jabo and a Dafe Owe wake up, you know, and this pass rush is, is as dynamic as we hope it to be, then. This will make things a lot more, you know, palatable for Ravens fans to get through. But I definitely think uh, what I've seen is such that the talking heads have everybody's concern about is the pass rush and the cornerback depth for the defense. Um, but, the, but again, they're going to be relying, relying on this offense to be very, very explosive. This offense is going to have to be extremely explosive, score touchdowns every time they touch the ball, you know, not settle for field goals. Um so well, it, it could be a new era in Baltimore. You know, we're used to defense dominating and being the leader of this team. And with Todd Munkin now and Lamar getting getting route trees off of Twitter and Instagram, you know, <laughs> you know, putting installing stuff now. Because look, I mean, look, these guys follow like other skills coaches and stuff like that. And they're working on wide receivers of high school players and college players working on new route trees and all this other kind of stuff. So I'm pretty sure Lamar saw something he liked. I like that. Let's, let's install that. Worked it out. So uh, it's a new era now. And, you know, maybe with Todd Munkin in here and them kind of giving him the reins to this offense and how things will we hope to look, the deep, the offense could, for the first time, probably since 2019, carry this team, you know, for maybe for the foreseeable future. But um, before we get out of here, is there anything else you guys want to, you know, bring up or anything or? I don't think I got nothing, man. I think I think we pretty much covered it for the most part. Travis, you got something? No. Zay Flowers, wide receiver one. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm riding with my guy, man. I'm riding with I, my guy. I think I think it's going to start out as Odell is the one, but by midseason, it could, Zay is probably going to, it seems like Zay is going to be taking that spot. By the Zay second will be quarter. He said by the second quarter of the first game, Zay is the wide receiver. With all that separation he's been getting, man, 
I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Listen, y'all like remember when Corey Smith yeah. used to draw those penalties all the time? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what we're going to see. And he's faster than Tory. Yeah. He's a lot shifted. I mean, call him joystick. Like, they said he moves like like Dante Hall when he played when Dante Hall was with the Chiefs. Yo, man. Yeah. And if, he, if he's doing, I mean, so we saw some, we saw some glimpses of that in practice and in, in during the preseason. So I'm like, if he can do that on a regular basis for this team, yeah, you're right, Travis. It may not take long. It may yeah. be like, nah, he's, he's the guy. Even Odell may come out and be like, he may, Odell may call the field like, that man's ball. Like I said, Odell already cast a check already. That check's been cashed. He's like, that, that boy good. He's going to be pivotal, man. I can't wait. He's to like, he remind me of me when I was my, when I was a rookie. Like, so anyway, uh, that's it from us. Uh, enjoy the, the game. I guess that's what. Monday night, yeah, we, Monday night game, 8 p.m. preseason, and then they have five days later they have the Bucks last game. Oh, yeah, and it makes the we talked about that off off camera. It's, it seems odd. It just does. Yeah, it, 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 it basically eliminates any work being done team wise for that that last preseason game because guys are rehabbing. They're yeah. taking an off day, and then you got walk through. Like you have maybe one good day of practice, maybe. Yeah. Anthony, it's the Anthony Brown game. That's what it's going to be. Yeah, that's going. Yeah, that's going to be a game <laughs> no one's going to watch. I'm definitely not. That's going to be third and four stringers, and running that game. So, um, that's it from us. Thanks you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Peace.